Okay. Well, here we are, girls. You know, I've been bragging on this seminar four. I hope you have it. Seminar four. We have gone through three seminars. Look, do you have all these manuals? I hope they are like your treasures. Girls, these manuals are fill in the blank. Hopefully look written in them. Mine are all highlighted up and marked up. These are the things that I've used to teach my children in our little family devotional. I have pulled from these materials in these manuals to speak at rallies, to speak before school boards, to, uh, to, to teach in various venues. I hope they are your treasures. And these are the books that you'll be able to teach from when you have a little cottage meeting in your own neighborhood. You'll What you could do is you can say, okay, everyone, your homework is to watch Jalene's class this week, it's online, and then you'll come. And you could just fill in the blanks together, fill in all the blanks, read one girl could read a page and then you discuss each page, you know? I mean, it's as simple as that. Don't think you have to know everything about everything in these manuals. You know, you can, you can have everyone watch the class sometime during the week, then come together. That would be a, an example of something that you could teach in a, in a cottage meeting in your home. And, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about these 12 introductory lessons that you could teach and what we're doing to make it more simple for you to be able to teach those in your homes as well. And we will always offer these classes online. You can always come online and be a part of the cottage meeting, but there's something powerful about women in your community and town coming together and meeting and discussing about what exactly is going on in your neighborhood school or the school board or the, you know, the town council or the state legislature kind of thing and, and how you might want to link with other cottage meetings around the community and maybe 10 of you show up at the state legislature the next time it's in session or to testify on a committee or to go to a school board. So what I'm saying is the knowledge that you're gaining from these Healing of America seminars really will become like your bedrock of stories of history and understanding of history and understanding of the constitution. And you will pull ideas and phrases and principles and truths from these little um, seminar books to, to speak to your neighbors, just like Misha said, so we can talk to our family. So we explain things so we can have, you know, a different kind of conversation instead of just based on anger and fear. We're now going to teach them, well, did you know this is what the founding fathers intended when they wrote the constitution, you know? And so then that takes the conversation to a whole new level and it will be these little books, these little treasure books. I, I mean, these are actually like my second and third books because a lot of mine got so beat up I had to put elastics around them and I'm like I gotta start with a new book it's like the bible you get so worn out you gotta buy a new bible and you hate to do it because it's all marked up but it's okay you know we just keep learning and so you know for anyone that might be brand new today we're on lesson 13 of the 16 lessons we did it ladies so if you're thinking oh gosh I don't know enough should I even be here yes these are, I really say, these are standalone lessons. Just come, come fill the spirit. Even if you jump in halfway, even if you're starting today, all of these classes are recorded and you can go to our momsforamerica.us cottage meetings, click on the view, uh, view the presentations and you can get all caught up. And, and we will always teach a Healing of America seminar. Uh, after we finish this, we will teach this Healing of America seminar uh, next go around starting in October. Um, in, it will be um, Thursday night. So you'll get my husband. Oh, now that's a different dynamic when a husband and wife are learning this, these things together. 
Uh, and then our Wednesday class, will we will start to go through the 12 classes. And these, these classes are so, oh, they're so good. I'm having to rewrite scripts right now. I, I do four scripts at a time and go to Chicago and film them. And so I'm really having to think deeply about these lessons and they're beautiful and I'm excited to be able to teach them to you online and ultimately maybe for you to teach them to the women in your community and towns at some point if, if God puts it on your heart. So anyways, we know our first seminar was all about the miracles. God was a God of miracles back then. He used little simple little creatures. Do you feel like a simple little creature? Well, that's who God works to do his purposes, you know, to bring about his work. Little Joan of Arc, Christopher Columbus, our little Mayflower mamas, our pilgrims, the founding fathers. He used these people that were willing, at least willing to get on that wall and to heed his word. And that's who he used to establish this nation. And it was just a miracle after miracle. And, and he helped them scale their mountains because of their faith. And he will do the same with us today. Don't think he's just gonna, you know, desert us and leave us be, you know, God didn't establish this first uh, uh, modern, you know, nation in, of, of freedom and liberty just to desert us and have it collapse into oblivion. And so it will remind us that, look, let's just continue to call upon heaven. He will hear, he will hear our prayers and he will heal our land. That beautiful verse that we talk so much about. I, I, I hope you have that verse memorized now. Second Chronicles 714. And then the second, you know, seminar is the constitution from the viewpoint of the founding fathers. I mean, the constitution was the instrument that God used to bring peace to this land. To, to have it be a, a land where families could prosper and be protected and have rights, inalienable, God-given rights. And we know as we study the Constitution from what our founders gave us to what came later on, you know, some of these uninspired amendments in the 1900s, particularly, that 85% of the Constitution is intact. 15% of it has, has been tampered with. And so it's not like we have to start from scratch. In fact, Skousen, who has written these Healing of America seminars, believes that we, we could heal it and get it back on, you know, the path that it needs to be with as little short as four years. You know, we just need enough people to understand the Constitution and be steeped in the wisdom of the founding fathers. And, uh, and then, you know, all the last four weeks, we talked about all the, you know, the attacks on this nation, the unhinging of America, the attacks on the Charter of Freedom, you know, what happened to our school systems, these godless reformers, Horace Mann, John Dewey, the attacks on the moral fiber of our country, pulling God and religion and Bible out of school, and, uh, and, and certainly the attacks on the Constitution and the attacks on these uh, master planners, these uh, roles and organizations that just didn't love America enough, didn't love the Constitution, wanted to fundamentally change some things. And it was very self-serving. And we talked about that last week. So, you know, today in the news, we hear so much about what is wrong with America. You know, uh, I read the Washington Post. I mean, I, I don't know. I usually have to read the post and then I have to go out and take a walk or something because it's such a downer. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like everything that's wrong uh, with what I hold true and, and value and they, they just skew things. So, but I always say it's important to know 
what my enemy is thinking, you know, and so I can counter some of the arguments. So I, I continue to read the Washington Post and, and the Wall Street Journal so I can kind of hear how they're spinning things because how they're spinning things is how it's being spun in the school system. So in order to counter that with my children and grandchildren and people that I love the most, I have to know kind of, you know, what they're saying out there. So there's just a lot of people talking about what is wrong, what they are against, why they are mad. No one is talking about what they're for. You know, what is great about America? What made this nation great? And so it's like, you know, everyone's shooting blanks. Everyone's making a lot of noise, but no one is really using the proper weapon or tool to, to turn this country around, to heal our land. You know, we get uh, laws in Congress and executive orders and court decisions, but those are all like little band-aids on a boilerplate. They're temporary fixes. There's no long-term solutions. I mean, all you have to do is look at uh, President Biden, what he over, he, he had like what 20 executive orders issued within the first 12 hours overdoing what Trump had, had uh, done earlier in his, his first day of office. And so a lot of what we're seeing in Washington DC are just temporary fixes. So during COVID, my husband bought a few new guns. So he actually taught me the difference between a rifle and a shotgun. A rifle just takes one bullet and you take care of the problem versus a, a shotgun where it's like many rounds, a lot of fractured energies. And to me, I kind of equate it to all the issues of the day and how we decide that one issue, we got to just give all our time and energy on one issue. And that's OK. Sometimes we have to. But, you know, we're going to wear ourselves out and dilute our efforts, kind of playing whack-a-mole with all these issues of, you know, COVID mandates and uh, critical race theory and censorship and healthcare and the economy and election fraud and immigration and unemployment and, and all these things. And so it's almost like once we get a handle, you know, enough mamas speak up on one issue, it's like the enemies of freedom come up with three to five more issues, you know, to begin to, you know, attack on, on, from a different angle. And so what we have to get in the habit of doing mamas, um, instead of just always, you know, playing whack-a-ball, uh, is to just ask ourselves the question, well, what part of the constitution was destroyed that allows this problem to exist. I mean, what part of the constitution has been broken that would allow election fraud or these uh, COVID or vaccine mandates to flourish? You know, because the constitution is the instrument that God will use to heal the land and, and to restore our peace and our prosperity, we have to understand it. We have to know what it says. We have to know how it got broken. We have to know how to restore it because we can't put this knowledge into our children and our grandchildren if we don't know it ourselves. And this is why we come together in cottage meetings. This is why mamas gather together and we share experiences and we teach one another and we call upon God to be with us and the spirit is there and you will feel it. I, hopefully you feel it when you gather on our online class. You know, that little uh, saying, the hand that rocks the cradle it, it rules the world. That's not just a cute little statement. It's the truth. Because we know when God wants to change the world, he uses a little mama in some obscure little part of the world. He puts an idea into her heart and she puts that idea into the child's mind. And then God waits and that child rises up and goes out. 
and is a part of the solution. It reminds me of Senator Scott saying when he spoke a few months ago on national TV, because of the example of his mother and what she taught him, they went from the cotton fields to Congress in one generation. And so that is the power of the mamas. And so here we are, mamas, let's turn to section one of the introduction of seminar four. Now these are fill in the blanks. Normally in a cottage meeting, you would fill in the blanks together, but I, I go through this material in an hour. So I just kind of give you an overview. So that's your homework. Hopefully when you come each, come each week to class, you have filled in the blanks. So it starts off in this little intro that it says, perhaps this is this seminar for is the most important seminar of all of them. And it's maybe because uh, as Americans, we need to restore our beloved country by restoring the constitution in the tradition of our founding fathers to make America great again, permanently great, you know, and, and really, will have the greatest influence within the four walls of our home. And that is what we're talking about today. Never, look, this was written in, in 2012 and it sounds like they're describing today. It says, never has the future appeared so bleak and challenging as it is now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that feels like that was written yesterday. The answer to this question, so so, so many people are saying, well, what, what, what can we do? And the answer to this question takes us full circle from seminar one that we learned about, you know, how God is a God of miracles and established this land. And uh, that our founders knew that the creator was directly involved in the establishment of this nation. And that how on over 67 occasions, George Washington in our early history wrote to Congress and told them it was because of the interventions of God that we have not lost certain battles. Remember, uh, it wasn't the money or the troops or the equipment uh, that the Congress was sending uh, George and the army. It was, it, it was the divine hand of God was sparing them and watching over them in these battles. And George Washington made sure he let them know that. And so we are able to see that at every facet of the Constitution, um, the Constitution was based on personal experiences which God in heaven allowed these early founding families to have. Look, he didn't take it easy on them. He knew that he was going to do a great thing in this nation and with these people, but he still made them worry and suffer and have defeat. You know, it's like they all went through their own little personal universities of hard knocks. So don't think that just because, you know, God isn't making the way easy for us as we are trying to teach our children these principles and we're trying to go out in the community and defend these principles of liberty and freedom in the school boards and in the town hall meetings that because we're meeting great resistance that maybe we're in the wrong. No, don't you know our founding fathers met great resistance at every turn? Remember Thomas Jefferson said, you're not going to uh, heal or save this nation on a feather bed. It was gonna be blood, sweat, tears, worry, agony, defeat. But it's these trials, these defeats that build tenacity and grit and faith if we turn to God. Just, I mean, just think of when Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. Remember one of his children had died, his mother recently had died. He wanted to be in Monticello, but they called him to be a part of the Continental Congress and to write this declaration. And so he went, he didn't want to do it. He didn't 
feel like doing it, but he did it. And for 16, 17 days, he was holed up in a little rented room in Philadelphia and he had terrible migraine headaches at night. He would play the violin to kind of soothe his soul and the other people in the building could hear that violin late at night. And he said, it took 16 out of the 17 days just to write the first two paragraphs because he was gleaning ancient principle out of Genesis and Deuteronomy and Exodus because he felt that these principles were eternal principles. I think that's so interesting. Maybe he thought that they would carry us on in to a day beyond mortality into some sort of millennial reign. And so it was work. And so when you understand, you know, that, that it's not, it's not going to be easy. It wasn't easy for them. And so don't think that it's going to be easy, but it's beautiful to gather with like-minded mamas because we, we gather hope and inspiration and strength uh, when we gather together. You know, um, in seminar number three, we learned about the organizations and groups that began to lose confidence in our constitution and our founding fathers. And they wanted this, we're seeking this new world order. That's what we just got finished studying the last four weeks. And so, you know, it might be said of these master planners that they're called the founding fathers of change because they wanted to change the economy of America from a free enterprise program to kind of democratic socialism. And in a lot of ways, that's what our country looks like today, where the, uh, you know, the finances of our country are in complete control uh, in, in Washington, DC, in the executive branch, really the total control of the finance of a nation uh, uh, come with the consent of the people's representatives. So we allow Congress to control, you know, all the monies instead of uh, the free market and the uh, supply and demand, you know, just to take its natural course. That's what our founders intended. So with all this background information, we're now ready to identify, okay, what is good? What is it going to take to restore the founders dream? You know, is it possible that, that one day those that are living right now, you and me, who are trying to take uh, a leadership role in this revival, this restoration process, might be called the founding, refounding fathers and mothers. You know, I don't know. That's that's interesting thought to think about in the history books of the world. So, of course. What we're doing as we gather, what we're trying to do in our homes, what we're trying to do in our communities and in this nation is going to require the assistance of heaven, just like it did when the United States was originally born. Now, our founding fathers, you know, they had difficult days, but they were optimistic and they had great faith. And that is how we should be. We should take our, our cues from our founding fathers and mothers and their grittiness and their perseverance and their unwillingness to give up the fight. So Cleon Skousen, who wrote these Healing of America seminars, he was an author. He's written over 55 books. He was an educator in universities. He was a chief of police. He was an advisor to presidents and popes. There was a room named after him in the Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California. So he was asked uh, one time uh, uh, some interesting questions. He said, look, I'm not pessimistic about the future. 
I think the soul of America is going to be cleansed by events which will humble the whole nation and put us back on our knees where we can talk to God and recommit ourselves to lives of virtue and morality. And, and he quotes that beautiful scripture that I really believe, he said, I believe in this promise in Second Chronicles that if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them. A God in heaven who loves his children is not going to turn a deaf ear on their pleadings, just like we wouldn't if our children were pleading with us for help. And he says in this scripture, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. And, you know, I really think that is the formula. That is the, that is what we need to lead out when people come to us and are so negative and fearful and angry. You know, we need to quote some of these ideas from the scripture here. But I do think some of our turning away from God is trusting in other people besides God. And we see that today. People are more willing to trust what governmental leaders say or what medical experts say or what the CDC or the World Health Organization says instead of getting on their knees and asking for some peace and some clarity and how can I keep my you know, family safe kind of thing. And so we're, we're not looking to heaven anymore. We're looking to Washington DC or these you know, so-called experts for healing and help. And as Skousen says, look, I know the skeptics and, and morals and the sophisticates will just laugh at this scripture and, and mock it. But he said, um, a nation that does not seek God and will not turn from her wicked ways, and he mentions crimes and drugs and abortions and political corruption, he said there will be a crisis and a cleansing. And, um, and so what should we do? He says, look, we don't need to be pessimists, but we do need to be realists. Every family, bing, 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 fireworks going off in the background, right? This is important. Every family needs to do whatever it can to put its house in order. A home can be a refuge against the coming storm. The love developed between parents and among children for their parents is God's supreme formula. Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So Dr. Skousen said, you know, in regards to the problems of this country, they asked, why are you still so optimistic, you know, knowing, knowing what has transpired and the direction we're heading? And he said, well, uh, it's because um, I've read the book. And in the end, we win. The creator of this universe prevails. So let's square our shoulders up, fresh courage take, and let's move forward. Faith in God, the creator of this universe prevails. We just want to make sure we're on his side because eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about. So we want to make sure we're on the right side. And if you ever wonder if you are or you're not, you get on your knees and you ask God. You open the word, you open the Bible. Is my life consistent with what the word of God is teaching me? And if, if you don't feel like you're on the right side, then you ask God to help get you on the right side. And I'm telling you, you will feel, you will feel those additional powers from heaven helping you. So today we're going to talk about the seminar four is comprised of four sections. And the first section today, we're going to talk about what we can do to heal us individually as mamas and grandmothers and women, and what we can do to heal our family. Next week, we're going to talk about what we can do to heal the school systems, our communities, and the state. The third week, we'll talk about what we can do 
to help with the healing at the national level and with the constitution in the last week, what we can do to be a part of healing at a worldwide level with the economy and international relations. I mean, really, you and me, we can do something that might impact the world? Well, just you wait and see. So we're not talking about replacing these principles, these founding father principles. We just want to begin to reapply them. Mamas, this is really a time of revival because, you know, you almost feel like God is at the door. And so we have got to get ourselves ready. We have got to shore up the people we love the most. we got to try and preserve this nation. This is like the world's last best hope, you know. And so this is a time of restructure and, and going kind of back to the rock from which we are hewn, as it talks about in Isaiah, going back to our roots going back to our founders and what made, you know, this nation great back then. We're going to learn these principles. We're going to arm ourselves and our children up with these principles. Okay. So uh, let's turn the page to restoring individual freedom and family values. Each of the founding fathers expressed that they had an individual responsibility to be worthy of God's blessings as it was for them. So it is with us. Our country has digressed away from these moral standards. And without the help of the heavens, it might not be able to, we might not be able to get America back on track. And so we're going to go over an address that um, Ezra Taft Benson, who was the Secretary of Agriculture under President Eisenhower, he gave at a Freedom Festival in 1986. And he entitled his remarks, Righteousness Exalted a, Na- a Nation. Righteousness Exalted the Nation. And it comes from that scripture in Proverbs 14, 34. And um, he says here that the foundations of America are spiritual. And we must never forget that. And then he gives kind of a brief history that we went through in seminar one about you know, uh, the founding of the Plymouth Colony in, in Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1620. Put that on your bucket list, girls. That's an awesome place to visit. And I love um, Tim Ballard. Uh, it's just like you want to read this book before you go to Plymouth because he tells all the cool spots that you want to go visit that you wouldn't otherwise. The tour guide's not going to take you to. And so he said when, uh, you know, assembled in that little cabin in the Mayflower, 41 adult males formed a compact before they got off the ship. And, um, and they cited their source of authority was God. This compact was drafted in the name of God, the Mayflower Compact. And the reasons for a government, uh, they were asserting that the reasons for this government were because uh, for the glory of God and for the advancement of Christian faith. And that these would be the twin pillars of our religious freedom in our nation. And so he talks about how only half of the 102 people that came across the Mayflower, it took two months to to come from Holland. Um, Only half of them survived the first winter. And in this book, it talks about the Mayflower mamas that three fourths of the women that came across on the Mayflower died that first um, winter. And he talks about why do you think the women especially were hit hard? And then he points out, don't you know? It's because mothers will give everything for the survival of their children. They will give them their food, the warmth, the shelter. Those mamas probably laid their bodies on that children that cold winter 
And they gave it all for the survival of their next generations. And mamas, we might have to, in some way, give it our all for the survival of our generations and for the survival of this republic and this, this land of freedom and liberty. And so he, he talks about how, you know, once they landed in 1620, over the next 150 years, there almost began immediately to become oppressions from the mother country, you know, injustices and oppressive taxation and, and despised acts and so forth. And ultimately 150 years from their landing, the first shot that would be heard around the world in Lexington, 1775, and then the next year, that Continental, Continental Congress met in Philadelphia to declare their independence from um, England in 1776. And the main uh, um, doctrine of that crowning document, the Declaration of Independence, was simply to state that, um, that we are children of God, that the Creator has endowed us all with basic rights and that the government derived their powers from the consent of the governed. You know, until this American Revolutionary War, uh, there had been a millennium of political tradition that had been vested in monarchs and tyranny and dictators. That's all the world really had known. And the framers of this, you know, our founding fathers of this republic simply declared the truth that God gave all men the right to life and liberty and property, they put it the pursuit of happiness because they didn't want to. Uh, they they didn't want anyone to think ultimately, oh, that would be justification for slaves. So they took the word property out and put pursuit of happiness in. And they knew, you know, a part of the pursuit of happiness is being able to own and to live your life according to the dictates of your conscience, and to own homes, and to raise your children in the way that you saw fit. And this is what the American Revolution was about. It wasn't just about a separation from England, but a separation from a, a historical tradition that made one man another's chattel and denied, you know, um, some liberty and property. And so when, when these brave men signed that Declaration of Independence, I love what John Adams said. He said, sink or swim, live or die. And we know John Adams would go on to become the second president of the United States from Massachusetts. He said, sink or swim, live or die, survive or perish. I give my hand and my heart to this vote. It is indeed that in the beginning, we aimed not at independence, but there's a divinity which shapes our end. Why then should we defer, defer declaration? Um, why should we defer the declaration? All that I have and all that I am, he says, and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready here to stake upon it. That uh, he says, survive or perish. I am for the declaration. It is a blessing of God, and it shall be to my dying sentiment independence now and independence forever. Can you hear him just saying that? I mean, whew, I almost think that should be our war cry every day when we wake up and pound our chest, you know? So really from the standpoint of the little equipment and the training and the resources and that little ragtag army of our early colonial days, we should have never won that war for independence. But America's destiny was not based on, you know, numbers, having the overwhelming majority of 
you know, soldiers or battlemen, but rather, uh, as Adam declared, there's a divinity which shapes our end. God took a direct hand in the events that led to the defeat of the British. And uh, look, George Washington would say, the success which has hitherto attended our united efforts, we owe to the gracious interposition of heaven. I think that's so interesting. It's about, it's been noted that about 3% of those living in the colonies during the Revolutionary War actually took part in, in the battle. So if there was 3 million, there's 3.1 million, 3% of that is about um, 90,000. 25,000 uh, 25, actually died in the Revolutionary War on the American side. And so 90,000 were able to secure independence, you know, there's 3% of 3.1 million. And so if you have enough people and God doesn't need a majority of people, you've heard me say, he just needs enough people fighting for righteousness to justify the heavens uh, to intervene and you can outnumber your enemy. So 3% of 320 million today is 9.6 million. Do you think there are 9.6 million in America that love America and that would fight for her and are willing to stand up and to learn these things and to, you know, storm the school boards and to vote good men and women in or even run for office? Do you think we have 9.6 million if we're going to kind of follow in the pattern of, the, of, you know, what it took for God to intervene during our early history? I, I got to think, I'm thinking we have 9.6 million that might do this. And girls, you're part of that. <laughs> I consider you a part of the 3%. And so we know that what they founded initially wasn't, uh, you know, in the 1776 under that article of confederation wasn't going to cut it. There was no power to tax, no president, no way to raise funds. So they were going to meet 11 years later. Uh, uh, for that constitutional convention in 1787. And things were not going well. It was four months from May to September. They closed all the windows. They didn't want anyone overhearing because the men were hashing it out. They were trying to figure it out themselves. And it didn't, it, it looked like it wasn't going so well. It's, well. At one point, all the delegates it, were just going to go back home and disband. And then our great, that great story of Benjamin Franklin rises up at 81. And he says, if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without God noticing, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured in his sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so he petitioned them to begin to pray each morning. And his words had a sobering effect on that delegation. And um, the deadlock was broken after that. And then the compromises were made. Remember, there were really only three compromises in that constitution because they really just hashed out the issues. I mean, they had to vote 60 times in order to determine how a president should be elected. And the three compromises we talked about in seminar two was slavery, the commerce clause and representation. And so, you know, we, we see that um, these men that were part of that knew that God was in the hand of making this constitution come to, 
come to be. Charles Pickney, a founding father and delegate, a signer of the Constitution from South Carolina, um, said, when the great work was done, I was struck with amazement, nothing less than the superintending hand of providence that so miraculously carried us through the war could have brought it about so complete upon the whole. And James Madison, who uh, was known as the father of the Constitution, our fourth president, who was a, a signer of the Constitution, he said, is it possible for the man of pious reflection not to perceive in it a finger of that almighty hand which had been so frequently and signal, signal, signally extended to our relief in the critical stages of the revolution, critical stages of the revolution. You know, it's interesting here, the question is, is asked, why is it the reference to God's influence in the noble efforts of our founding fathers and our Republic are not mentioned by modern historians, certainly not mentioned in the classrooms of government schools. You know, why, why is that? Because all these men, if you really study the original writings of our founders and, and, and those men and women of that day, I mean, their acknowledgement of God is woven all throughout their writings. So yes, our nation, our foundation is spiritual. And without spirituality, we are no better than any other nation that has sunk into oblivion. Our founding fathers with solemn and reverent expression voiced their allegiance to the sovereignty of God. Are we any less accountable to him today? And uh, Benson urges us, we are not. We need to continue to keep God's law, the commandments. We need to continue to pray for this nation, just like Benjamin Franklin evoked prayer during the Constitutional Convention. Seems like so many of God's edicts and commandments in the, you know, the Bible are considered just outdated and old fashioned. And we just move beyond that, you know, and, and that's the very thing that will justify God's protection and, you know, to this land and um, praying for our nation and praying for the leaders, even if we don't, didn't vote for, you know, some of the leaders that are in office, you know, our children need to hear us praying for these leaders because we want them to be successful. We want them to be inspired, you know, a, a, a good president, an inspired president means that our country is going to be going in the right direction. And so the founding fathers understood the principle that righteousness exalted a nation and, and helped to bring about, you know, one of the greatest systems ever uh, used to govern men, this nation. And Thomas Jefferson reminded us, you know, we can't lose the blessings of heaven. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. So I think what, you know, what he's calling from, from the grave to us is he's saying eternal vigilance means we can't grow lax. We can't get lazy about maintaining our freedoms because we know freedom isn't free. We, we need to be a part of that 3% that will justify the heavens to come in and aid us as we're on that wall, as we're fighting back, as we're defending, you know, the constitution in this nation. So our battle is not over. 
We had battles in the early history of America and believe me girls, the battles look a little bit differently, but we are fighting just as vigilantly uh, uh, we need to be as they did back then. And um, it says here, our nation will, uh, will need the overshadowing help of deity. We just wanna make sure that we're worthy to be able to call upon his help. So how do we prepare ourselves so that God can intervene? Well, we get ourselves right and we get our family right. And this is what we're going to talk about the rest of class today. When everyone is running around to and fro, upset and angry and churning over what's going on in this country, what's going on in the school systems, what's going on with the mandates and policies and so forth, what is going to keep us anchored in hope so we can anchor everyone in, in hope? He gives us four things. And I know you've heard me say these four things before but I bear testimony that these are, these are true and these will ground you and they will help you to be the stabilizing force in your home, within your four walls and within the people that you love. Number one, we, we must both as individuals and nation look to God as our maker, as the source of our freedoms and blessings, not Washington DC, not the president, not the next government program, not the next stimulus check. Our nation has faced many crises. One of the greatest crises was the Civil War. And God rose up a great man of the hour, Abraham Lincoln, who understood the spiritual foundations and the need for help from God. And he would call upon the country for national uh, days of fasting and prayer. And, um, and so we need leaders like that. And we need to be like that. We need to teach our children to pray. We need to be praying mothers. And we need to gather uh, praying grandmothers and we need to gather our children and our grandchildren in prayer. You know, just before I have, I have five kids, two of them are left at home, a senior who's in high school and a 13 year old uh, who's going into eighth grade. And the senior took the one little girl, my babe to her little volleyball camp this morning. But before they got out the door, we, we, I said, Oh, let's have the prayer before you go. So our little tradition in our home is we kneel on our knees show reverence to God, but you can pray at any time. You can stand up, you can be laying in bed, you can be driving in the car, just pray to him. But in our home, we kneel and we hold hands and the little 13-year-old daughter prayed today. I was just talking to my 21-year-old daughter who is a senior uh, in college and she's trying to get into a new um, apartment. And we were talking two days ago and um, she said, mom, would you pray that I can get into the ha this housing that I want? And so I texted her afterwards and I said, honey, I just prayed. And, she's, and then she shot back, oh, thank you so much. And then just a few weeks ago, I told you that story about my kid who's in the NBA. He went in to negotiate his next contract. And before he did, he called dad and he said, dad, will you and mom please pray for me? I'm going, I'm going to talk to the general manager. So our kids are not going to know how to do that if they're not seeing it in the home. So I don't care what age your kids are. You start today. If you've never said a public prayer in your home ever, you start today. And, and you begin to pray. We, be, we pray morning and night. But you, you teach your children that when they're worried or, or when they need some comfort or guidance, we look to God. When they leave their homes, that will be a natural thing for them to want to get on their knees. And you know a nation that is a praying nation. God is going to spare that nation. 
That is what will justify the heavens to intervene. You get enough people praying in the nation and God is not going to turn a, a deaf ear to, to those prayers. So we teach our children that we look to God for our freedoms and for solution and for deliverance. We don't look to other people to bail us out. Number two, we must make the creation of quality family life a high priority. Make family time a high priority. Now that's going to look different for every family, but I think what... You know, what we're talking about here is not more recreation, not more shopping, not more eating out. None of those things are bad. I do all those things. I know you do all those things, but I'm talking about things that matter the most, like a, a family devotional. I think my little devotional that I had in my home with my kids and that my mama had in our home, I think that's like some of the most sacred work that I do with my kids is gathering them. And I saw my mom, you know, my mom, I'm a product of a divorced home. My parents divorced after 26 years of marriage, but my mama always gathered us together morning or night. I think she tried it twice a day, but I was a little bit older. So I'm not, I think I, I think I did get in on morning and night, but she would read a little Bible verse and we'd sing a little song and we'd pray. And so that was a very natural thing for me to want to do in my home. If you didn't come from a home that you had that kind of instruction, start now. By you starting now, you will affect the next generation and the next generation. And so, you know, we, he, she talks about, um, the key to family stability is a happy marriage based on family worship. And he says divorce is deplored and divorce is very destructive to families, to, to nations. You know, our founder, our founding fathers and, you know, the 26th principle in the 5,000 years, they said that the core unit that determines the strength of society are the families. Strong families equal strong societies equal strong nations. So we want to do everything we can to keep that marriage strong, you know, and to mend it and to repair it and to always, I mean, we could talk, we could, girls, we could spend the next 16 weeks talking about how to strengthen your marriage. I mean, it's just not that easy, is it, you know? But it's worth, I mean, it starts with a mommy and a daddy, a grandma and a grandpa that love each other and are united in the things that are most important. My husband and I are going on almost 30 years of marriage and we've had seven children and we've had to bury two little sons and we have experienced highs and lows in all areas of marriage as you all have. It's not a walk in the park, you know, keeping your marriage together and keeping it strong. But I have to tell you, the glue that kept us together was our shared devotion to God. We pray together every night. He pulls me to his side. We kneel down at our bed and we pray. He, he likes to pray in, instead of me because I go on too long. <laughs> so I, he ends up praying more. But hey, is that a problem to have your man pray too much? You know, so I mean, maybe that's that's the key to get your man praying with you is to go on too long. So he'll 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 do a, a shorter but sweeter condensed version. So we've been doing that for 30 years. And and we go to church together. We take our kids to church together. He's a, a lay pastor of a congregation of young single adults ages 18 through 30. So he's a businessman. He has a full-time job, but he just does this on the side. He's, he serves in, in our church community. And, uh, and so I serve along with him. And so God really has been at the forefront of our marriage, you know. And so, 
you know, you might have a man that is like, honey, you go to church. It's not my thing. I'm going fishing. So don't beat it over his head. But, you know, as you just quietly pray and read the Bible with your kids. And I, I really believe the spirit will touch a good man's heart and he might begin to join you through the years. That's certainly what happened in my marriage. When I began to have a little devotional with the kids when they were little, I did it just me and the kids. Al was at the door and off to work or he just didn't take the time to do it. But as I was, as I consistently taught a little Bible story to my kids and sing a little song while they were eating their breakfast when they were little, he saw that. And as they get, as they got older, he began to, you know, he was right there with me in the family devotional in the morning, uh, teaching us. I mean, we want our man to rise up and kind of preside and protect and kind of be the patriot patriarch of the family. So we don't want to shame him and make him feel like he's a loser and he's not, you know, up to snuff, but we quietly set the example. And as we continue to love and ask God to soften his heart, he'll join you in this. And then you get a mom and dad that are united with God. And then, you know, you've heard my stories. I began to go to the cottage meetings and to learn the stories of America with the mamas. And then I came home and I began to incorporate these principles of liberty in our family devotional. And my husband at first thought I was a right wing radical nut, but it, it touched his heart, the things that I was teaching uh, about liberty and freedom. And, and ultimately, a few years later, he'd go on to run for the state Senate and win because of what I began to bring home from the cottage meeting and, and teach to the kids in that little devotional. And so the devotional that I have today looks a little bit different because now I just have one little girl in the morning and while she's eating her oatmeal, you know, uh, I, I, we do, we read a little story out of the story Bible. I really like this. And it's uh, uh, all the stories from the Bible, from the King James Version. And so it just takes the stories. And, um, and then we read the story and then we talk about, well, what's a practical application? What does that look like? And, you know, you heard me this year. I'm going to start uh, in our morning devotional while they, she's eating breakfast. I'm gonna, we're going to say the pledge uh, because she doesn't say the pledge at the private school that she goes to church, uh, Catholic Christian school. So I'm like, well, we, I better start saying it in the home then. And then we go through one principle a week. I have her read the little principle and we talk about that. And then I show her the headlines of the newspaper because I want her to hear what the world is saying. And I want, uh, if there needs to be a correction, I want her to hear it from the voice of mother uh, be, uh, before the voice of the school teacher or the voice of some kid on the playground kind of thing. And then we are going to read, oh, my McGuffey readers are over there. I'm going to have her start reading a little page from the McGuffey readers, you know, that we've learned about in our um, Healing of America seminar. And then we will go over a little schedule. We'll sing a little song and then we'll pray. And that will be the devotional. Now, you're probably saying uh, that sounds like she's going to be there for an hour. But girls, I can whip through all that in about 12 to 15 minutes while she's eating her food. And then at some point she's finished and then she's watching and listening. And uh, I'm telling you, when we kneel down on the kitchen floor, oftentimes she'll thank God, thank you for this devotional that we had this morning because she has felt something, you know? I mean, I, I think she probably didn't hear three fourths of what I'm saying, but she felt something, you know? And so she thanks God for the little devotional. So, you know, it might look a little different from you. It might, you might need to teach at the dinner hour. You might need to teach before you put the kids to bed. For young mamas, you might 
a little devotional could just be a little Bible story and maybe just a little story about, you know, Abraham Lincoln or America. It could just, it could just let it be simple. It doesn't have to be as complicated as mine. I've been doing this for many years. So I just add, I'm telling you every year, your little devotional will evolve is what will happen. If you don't have any kids at school or at home now, what I do, because three out of my five are out of the house, I also send a little morning text devotional where I send a little scripture and a little quote, and then I just bear my little personal witness of, of what I sent. And then I just tell them what, you know, what we did yesterday or what's going on at home. And I send some pictures. And so my, my older kids, you know, they rarely respond to the, the morning text devotional that I send them. But if I go too long without sending it, they're like, mom, what's going on? Why haven't you sent the devotional? So oftentimes we'll think that, especially our teenagers and our, our older kids aren't, you know, even listening or aren't even acknowledging the things that we're sharing with them. But just do it. Just have faith. Remember, it's like my Frankie, who's uh, the basketball player in the NBA. I mean, I swear he slept through my devotionals. His eyes were closed a lot. But he said to me recently, Mom, I really didn't sleep through those devotionals. I want you to know the things that you and Dad taught me have made a difference. And I know that because when I see him before every NBA game and he's the only kid with his hand over his heart, I know it's because he learned those things. He learned to love America and he understood what the flags uh, stood for. He learned it in our home, in that devotional. And so you make quality family time a high priority. And if you have grandchildren, just grandchildren now, you begin when they gather together, when they come stay with you, instead of you know, watching Disney shows or reading Disney books, you begin to read them from your I Love America library. You begin to watch some of these little shows that I've recommended and will continue to recommend to you as you take these 12 classes. I have all kinds of recommendations for um, moms and grandmas. So just, you know, just begin to think of ways that you can teach these things. And I have learned that it's like exercise. If you, if you say I'm going to exercise every morning, you're more likely to stick with it because you know you got a plan, you got a time, you're consistent instead of just saying, well, I'm just going to try and fit it in here or there because then it doesn't happen. So as you, as you pick a little time and then you consistently stick with it, you will be amazed at what begins to happen in your home. All right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm speaking from experience, girls. Number three, we must become informed and knowledgeable citizens. Girls, I have so much to say about these four principles. This is, I, I want to tell you, this is what I do. I go around the country and I talk about these things and each one of these four things I could talk to you about for a whole hour. So it's going to be hard for me to get in <laughs> everything in this lesson today. But, you know, what we're doing, coming to learn uh, in these cottage meetings about the Constitution, this is what, what we're doing. We're learning the Constitution from the viewpoint of the founders. And we're learning the parts that were inspired and struck off by the hand of God. The prophet Hosea in the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And this is what's happening now. I mean, Karl Marx, that uh, communist revolutionary, he said, a people without a heritage are easily persuaded. So if we don't know our history, if we don't know our rights, we're, we can be duped. We can be convinced, 
you know, these conspiring men and women that don't love America, that can, you know, sing a different tune and can convince us that we don't understand really what our, the Constitution was intended to be from our founders. And so we study and we learn for ourselves. And this is exactly what we do as we come together each week and what you'll do in your cottage meetings. You know, you'll go, you'll be like, I don't quite understand this part. What do you think it means? And you'll hash it out and you'll help each other figure it out. And, and then as you, you know, as you become an informed citizen, it will be, you'll be the first line of defense for, uh, you know, ideas that are more uh, tyrannical. And we're seeing, you know, a lot of, the pendulum is swinging towards tyranny. We're looking more and more to the government to tell us what to do and to solve our problems and to give us money. But when we know our rights, we, we, don't, we don't do that. We push back because we vote on principle. You know, we don't vote on fear or emotion or personality, you know, and, we're, and when we understand these principles, we're more willing to like stand up and go, I'm going to that school meeting. I'm, I am gonna say something, I'm going to that town hall. Uh, one of the mamas um, in our Thursday night class uh, went and testified before the state legislature recently. And she sent me and Viv what she wrote. It, it was powerful. And I could tell she wove in the principles of the Healing of American Seminars and the Constitution that she had been learning. And so when you learn these things, you're more willing to go, you know, host a little candidate in your home for a meet the candidate night that you think is you know, good and you want him to be elected or her to be elected, you might even be willing to run for something, even though you don't initially want to do it, you know, like God in heaven, I'm doing it. You know, we've got one of our moms from Samantha that did that. She was, you know, into the Healing of America seminar and she realized I got to run for school board. She, she ran and won her primary and she's going to win her the, you know, the election in the fall here. And so, um, and, and also it says here, we got to teach our children about our sp spiritual roots um, uh, of this great nation. There's a little book here called The Miracle of America. I've read this book for years to my kids, and it's just a, a little storybook about the different miracles. And one uh, at night, I would read one miracle a night, and the kids would jump up on my bed with the jammies, and we'd read the miracle, and we'd feel kind of warm and fuzzy in our heart, and then they'd go to bed knowing that God's a God of miracles. So this is a great little book. Google it, The Miracle of America, Birth of a Nation. Viv, maybe you can put that in the chat here. This is just one of the resources, one of... I, I could spend a whole class on all the books and resources I've used, but girls, you just have to go along. And as you learn, you will, you will purchase these books. You will build your I Love America library and you'll, 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 you'll have favorites. And then, um, you know, once again, when, when mom is teaching her children these things, the kids aren't going to doubt, you know, you will be the best teacher that your children or grandchildren will ever have. You are the most qualified to teach them these things. My mama, she didn't have a college degree, but there was no doubt in my mind. She loved God and she loved freedom and she loved this country because she always took me voting. I remember going to some town hall meetings with her. I remember her praying for the president of the United States. And for, for 12 years in our kitchen, we had a picture of Jesus. We were poor, so we didn't have a lot of fancy uh, decorations. So she would decorate with pictures of Jesus, probably that she got out of a magazine or something. And then she put the picture of um, Ronald Reagan. For eight years, I looked at Ronald Reagan and Jesus. And then, and then uh, George, 
George 41 was put for 12 years. I'd eat my cereal looking at Jesus and the president. So there was no doubt in my mind what was important to my mother, God and this country. And so it was simple things that she did that made a big difference. When it matters to mama, it will ultimately matter to her children and to her grandchildren. And number four, we need to get involved in supporting good, godly men and women running for office and wise, wise meaning they're steeped in the founding father's wisdom. And the only way we know if they're steeped in what our founders knew is we gotta know it ourselves. So when we go to the town hall meeting, we can raise our hand and we can ask them some questions that will help us to know, oh, okay, yeah, I think he is a studier of history and the constitution. And we want them to be honest, meaning we want them to uphold the oath of office that they take to God and to the constitution, all right? So then they're not gonna pass ungodly ideas. You know, they're going to want to be in keeping with what God's law is. And then we need to do everything we can to be a part of improving our community. That means we got to be doing something. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. All right. We must become responsible citizens, anxiously engaged in good causes. And we want to leave the world a better place for having lived in it, and God will reward your efforts. It's going to look different for every single one of you girls. Maybe you just need to start within the four walls of your home. Maybe you just need to start praying with your kids, you know, forget running for school board, just begin to do some things within your home. And as you begin to tighten up things in your home, then God might open up opportunities for you out in your neighborhood and communities. He will reward effort. You know, I hope that you feel like you've been blessed as you have shown up every week for this online cottage meeting, that somehow it has touched your heart and has caused you to think differently or to do differently or to to speak differently to the people that you love. God really does bless you if you will show up and say, okay, here I am. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to be a part of strengthening my home and my community. And so, you know, really one of the the best ways, and we're going to start to teach this here in October, these 12 introductory lessons will, will help teach you mama and grandma how to do this. I really break it down. And these lessons are beautiful. The first one is anchored in hope. The other one is, the second one is there's no place like home. The third one is ladies first. When, when ladies are educated, the man will be educated. Uh, teaching your children the foundations of faith. What does that look like? Teaching your children and grandchildren the valor of virtue. Uh, teaching them the power of patriotism. America, share the story. How to teach your children to love America through stories. Capture the sunshine. How to teach your children to love America and to stand up for our country through literature, art, music, poetry, uh, a time to sew, the importance of eating together, the dinner hour, the breakfast hour. That's hard nowadays. Um, Teaching your children the Constitution, that will be one of the lessons. Uh, The law of the harvest, teaching your children how to be self-reliant instead of just, you know, this entitled generation that, you know, you owe me. Teaching your kids how to love to work. And then ultimately the last lesson is raising the next generation of patriots. After you're finished with these 12 lessons, 
there will rise up in you an understanding and a knowledge knowing that you can do this and God will be by your side and you can teach these things to your children, to your grandchildren. Um, I'm going to skip over just a little bit. Lastly, our last little section talks about, you know, how the family truly is the foundation of our nation. We, our founders tell us this, principle 26. And one of the greatest keys to healing America lies in healing our families because it is the foundation of society. And if the principles of freedom are amiss or not being taught in the home, how will we ever be pillars out in our communities? And the principles contained within the Constitution and the Declaration are really principles about relationships, life and liberty, the right to own property, to provide and protect for our children, the right to be able to have a relationship with God and to be able to serve other people and to care for the poor and needy in our community because it's the right thing to do. It's what God, that's how we're to love our neighbors and not because the government, you know, tells us so and tech comes in and takes our money and determines how, you know, to take care of these things. And so um, ultimately he talks about, or the, this uh, section talks about being a patriotic family. And that's another hour lesson. Okay, well, you, you know, and we learn, we learn how to be a patriotic family, you know, through these lessons, but he just gives some ideas. At, take, take your kids, your grandchildren to patriotic events, to parades, to concerts, to rallies, uh, a few less movies, and a little bit more patriotic stuff. Have your kids participate in Boy Scout and Girl Scout. Maybe you don't want to do that anymore. Maybe 12 years ago, but I'm not so sure. I mean, I was a Girl Scout leader, but I don't think I could recommend that. But get them involved in your little church group, a little Bible study for kids. You know, I know every church has a little, you know, uh, Bible school. Um, write to your servicemen and your veterans. Kimberly Fletcher, the president of Moms for America. I was with her a few days before Thanksgiving last fall and I asked her what she was going to do. And she said, we have a tradition in our home the day before Thanksgiving, we make 75 pies and take them to a few of the local police stations and give them out. And I was like, are you serious? I mean, what a great way to show our children that we respect and honor men and women that provide safety and civility to our country. Our little police are just being barraged now, beat up. I, what a beautiful thing, you know, for our police, but certainly for our servicemen and veterans. Do you do you stop and say thank you for your service uh, to our country when you see them out in uniform? And do you do your children see you saying that or, or doing that? Um, encourage uh, your family to serve in the military. Talk about your ancestors that served in the military, grandma or grandpa. Uh, we have grandpa's Vietnam helmet in our, my dad's or <laughs> my husband's office, have momentum, uh, mementos of, of service that, you know, family members have, have uh, been engaged in. Learn and uh, patriotic songs, sing them together. There's a wonderful two book series. I love America volume one and volume two, and it's uh, how to teach young children it has all kinds of little stories. And I've taught these in devotional through the years and they have little patriotic songs here. And I've listened, I've had the kids listen to them for years. 
The reason why I sing a song in my devotional is because sometimes I want to teach my kids songs that are important, like the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, God Bless America. So songs that my kids don't know, I will take a little eight and a half by 11 piece of paper and tape it up to wherever we have the devotional, maybe in the kitchen, and that will be the song we sing. And so that's how I've taught them these patriotic songs. So singing, get your kids in the habit of singing because it fires up a different part of their brain. And you know, you hear and you feel the spirit of God through beautiful music. And so, you know, begin to sing. And, and, um, and you can just download and stream music. But I have, a, I have another blue book that taught, I used through the years. I couldn't find it this morning on... Um, little CDs I'd put in the car and we'd listen to these patriotic songs, you know, it doesn't work so well when the kids are 16, but if they, if they've been listening to those songs from about six to 12, you know, they'll, they'll take it in. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll know instinctively it'll, it'll be with it within them to, to love patriotic music. And, and um, girls, you know, every time I was just at Lincoln's home a few weeks ago. So every time I go to a patriotic place, I, I buy books. I go to the bookstore. So these are some of the books, Mary Todd Washington, Abraham Lincoln. So every time you're somewhere where there's little kids books, buy them because these, this is how you're building your I Love America library for your children, for your grandchildren. And remember here for every book that you bring into your home that's negative, you know, what's wrong with America, make sure you bring in equal amounts of what's right with America. Cause you don't want your, I love America library to be all about <laughs> what's wrong with America. All right. And, uh, and then it has a little section here about teaching your children self-reliance. I have a whole little program. I taught my kids a little chore chart and it, it's so crazy now how my kids all like to, to work. Is, is that like the craziest thing to say that? But, um, and I think it's because I taught them when they were young, the principle, the law of harvest. So I teach this lesson, it's lesson number 11, um, teaching your children self-reliance, because it's a big problem with young people nowadays, thinking that they, you know, are entitled to receiving unearned benefits. And, and really, you know, that really enslaves people ultimately. And, um, and we don't want our kids thinking that they're entitled to benefits when, you know, the beauty of being able to work for something. And um, yeah, I could tell you a few things about that, but I, we're, we're out of time. So just make sure you come and we do our these lessons together and I'll tell you some interesting funny things about uh, how that might look teaching your children self-reliance and to love to work and ultimately just at the very last parting shots how can we heal help heal families and these are just five little nuggets and we we talk more about these five things in these lessons get out of debt did you know that was principle 27 the burden of debt is destructive to freedom as is uh, subjugation by conquest, being overrun by soldiers, that being in debt is as destructive to human freedom. So, you know, um, pray on that if that's an issue. Uh, become proactive. Don't wait for other people to rise up and to save America. Let's not just be Americans in name only. Let's do something about it. Strengthen our marriages. You know how the cottage meeting changed my marriage. Create a wholesome atmosphere in your home. You might have to put some filters on things. You might have to take the, I take my kids' phones every night around 9.30 and don't give them, I think they get their phones a couple hours a day. 
and uh, you might have to ditch some Disney. I just want you to know, uh, Disney family Disney is not family fight. <laughs> uh, just uh, be very leery about what your kids are watching because even the family stations are are not too friendly. So girls, just the other day on the 4th of July, I was in church and we were talking about principles of liberty a little bit because it was the 4th. And I raised my hand and I made a comment about the constitution. I felt was divinely inspired. And, you know, it, 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 it talks about our God-given inalienable rights in that, in those documents. And then I told them about you. I told them there's a group of women that come together every week online to study the principles of the constitution and freedom and liberty. And from that comment, I had a few little mamas text me and they're like, Hey, can you tell me about that class? So I want you to know girls that your example is inspiring others. And as you are learning, you will not help, but to become a messenger for the things that you were learning about hope and healing and freedom. And so that is our lesson today. Next week, we're going to talk about what we can do to begin to heal our schools. And so many of you are talking about how you're going for the first time to school board meetings and you're maybe even, you know, giving a little public comment. So we'll talk about how we can heal the school systems and, uh, and at the community and state level next the third week, we'll talk about how we can heal at the national level. And the fourth week is how we can heal um, our economy and our role in the world. Mamas, I'm not going to lie to you. What we talked about today, I believe, is the most important thing because it's what we can control within the four walls of our home. And, um, and so I want you to go back, if you will, in the next 48 hours and please reread this every page and be prayerful about what changes you might be able to make to kind of shore yourself up, um, to kind of take yourself uh, to a higher level in your relationship with God and how you can help your children in their relationship with God. So when their hour of need comes to do hard things and to get on that wall and defend principles that the world is mocking and making fun of that they won't care because they will know that God has their back and that they're going to prevail as long as they stand with God. All right. So, so read, read, read this lesson and make it a matter of prayer about maybe what you could do to heal some things in within yourself and within your home. You know, knowledge is yours as you begin to give it away. It's knowledge is only yours as you give it away. And as you give it away, your knowledge is going to increase and God will bless your mind and your ability to be able to explain and to teach to your children, to your husband, to your neighbors if you decide to have a little cottage meeting, you'll you'll see that you're going to be able to begin to say and explain things in ways that you hadn't before. You learn as you teach. Everything that I know today is simply because I began to go to a cottage meeting. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to start a cottage meeting. And I didn't know any of these things. We just all had the manual and we all just read and we all just filled in the blank and we all just tried to figure it out. And as you do that, the Lord will expand your capacity to be able to learn and to share and, and to grow in your knowledge and to do. And so, you know, I really firmly believe that it will be the righteous, faithful mamas. It will be you, mamas. Your influence will be tenfold what it might have been in more calm or tranquil times in our history. 
but the world is needs women like you. And as the world gets increasingly wicked and godless, people and mothers and grandmothers are going to look to you as an example because you will be a little different. You will speak differently. Your knowledge will be different. You will be a light like it talks about in, in Matthew. And I really believe your home will be a refuge and it will be an anchor for those that enter and they will feel it that there is something foundational and grounding in your home and you will be able to be a stabilizing force to those around you. And it will be women and grandmamas like you that will justify the heavens to intervene and begin to heal this land. And so there you have it, ladies. That is our lesson today. Woo!